0: Well, I'm calling tonight's message, Endeavoring to Keep the Unity. I had announced that we were going to do a new series on angels, and that is coming. But instead of starting it tonight, I wanted to just give a little bit more fuel onto the fire of this This theme of unity. We, we, for a number of weeks, talked about Jesus' uh, messages from John 14, 15, and 16, and then we did four weeks on John 17. And personally, I have not gotten enough. Um, if you hang around me long enough or you hang around the GP hop, and I think if you, you hang around Jesus too, you're going to get a heart for unity. And, you know, there's so many doctrines, so many things to talk about, so many biblical realities, and sometimes unity kind of gets pushed to the side like, that that would be nice, Derek. That would be nice, Lord. But we got churches to run, and we've got doctrines to uphold, and we've got revivals to do. And and having been a Christian for 20 years and been in leadership and working in ministry for most of that time, I, I have experienced um, what I would consider most people, <laughs> I haven't met most people, <laughs> you know what I mean. The general sentiment uh, around the the doctrine of unity or the reality of unity or the working out of unity is it's somewhat ideological it's it's kind of brushed aside is nice to think about but let's be real my personal conviction it it is very high on jesus's list like like top five to ten If we were to say, Jesus, what's your top 100? It's my conviction that this would be very near to the top of the top of doctrines on Jesus' theological list. You know, way down into the hundreds would be like the doctrine of the holy kiss, which that's in the Bible, or the doctrine of church carpet color, you know, some people split churches over this stuff, but way up in high, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven, it's my conviction. Unity is there, up very high. It's not number one or two, which is love God and people. It's it's central to the nature of God and it's central to the nature of the church, and so that's why I say it's way up there. And so tonight I'm I'm... I'm basically going to give you who hear this, or you're hearing this now or you'll hear it on the recording, I'm giving you a homework assignment. I'm I'm being a good brother in the Lord. By the way, I I am a big brother in the Lord. That's my calling is to be your big brother. I don't care how old you are or young you are or male or female. I am your older brother. That's What God has called me to do so I will give you a spiritual noogie from time to time but that's my role that's my calling I'm to be a big brother and so I I don't mind uh, ruffling a few of my younger brothers or sisters I don't I don't mind ruffling some feathers because I'm the big brother that's how it is but we need as I have titled here on the notes which I will post I will post after the message. We need to endeavor to keep the unity that the Holy Spirit is promoting in our city. That's the apostolic endeavor that Paul talks about to the church of Ephesus and the church of Corinth. I mean, Jesus prayed it, the apostles talked about it, but there is a reality of oneness and harmony and unity I use those synonymously, that we need to go after and that we need to seek to maintain and build on. And as I've said, tonight I'm simply giving you a homework assignment. What I want you to do is to write these down or after the message, go print off the notes. I've got two lengthy scripture passages. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, and 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 31. Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 31. These are in my research and my study, these are like the two big chunks of Scripture that that contain the mediest doctrinal statements and truths related to the body of Christ or another way to say is understanding the body of Christ, what it is in its essential mysterious nature, understanding the body of Christ and understanding how God intends to keep that in a spirit of unity. If you read Ephesians 4, 1-16... through 16, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 31, you'll grasp, oh, that's, that's we're a body, oh, and we are all important, oh. So there's like a lot of significant truths that I want you to just read over it, read over it, study it, pray it, and just things will begin to pop out. You know, of course, it's good to read the whole Bible. It's good to read Genesis to Revelation. It's good to read the Gospels. It's good to read the whole Bible. Obviously, I advocate for that. But when we're going to zero in on a topic, we want to study what the whole Bible has to say about a specific topic. And again, the two meatiest, other than John 17, which we just unpacked for four weeks, the two meatiest chunks, I mean the... The the prime rib kind of meat, the the good stuff, depending on if you like prime rib, I guess, the good stuff, the juicy meats, Ephesians 4, 1-16, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 12-31. Paul says in Ephesians 4, Paul says, I'm the the Lord's prisoner. And he says, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling that you were called by, to be lowly and gentle, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Paul's saying, I want you guys to, to walk worthy of the assignment I gave you because God has given you an assignment Paul's saying, here's how you do it. You walk it out with humility and love, patience. And then he says in verse 3 that you have to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit or that the Holy Spirit's trying to maintain. And then he starts to unpack some theology. Again, I'm not going to read the whole thing. He says... Church in Ephesus, there's there's really one body. There's one body of Christ in Ephesus. There's one Holy Spirit. There's one hope. And there's one Lord. There's one Jesus. There's one Christian faith. I mean, he keeps emphasizing there's one, there's one, there's one, there's one. The common Word in Ephesians 4 1 through 16 is the word one. Jesus prayed in John 17 that we'd be one. Paul is using this repeatedly over and over. There's one body of Christ, there's one Holy Spirit, there's one calling, there's one hope that we have in Jesus, there's one Lord. There's one Christian faith, there's one baptism, there's one God. It just He goes on and on and on. There's, there's one. There's not five Jesuses that died for us. There's not a different number of different baptisms. I've met with so many different people that says you need to be baptized this way or that way. By the way, religion and cults complicate everything. There's a simplicity to genuine Orthodox Christianity. There's a simplicity. There's a basicness to the the true message of the Bible. There's one God. There's one Lord Jesus. There's one church. There's one baptism. There's one Spirit. One Christian faith, it's been handed down through the centuries. It, there's a oneness to all of it. It's so important that we understand that there's not 50,000 churches in the earth. There's not 500 churches in central Illinois. There is one church. There is one Christian church In central Illinois. Many expressions, many parts, many members, but when Jesus looks out of heaven down on central Illinois, sees me preaching tonight, sees you there, (laughs) he says it's all one big family, one team, one Christian church throughout central Illinois, one church in America, one church in the earth. When you make that, when that hits your brain, you think of the whole thing differently. What we want to develop is God's view of his church. When we get God's view of his church, we don't look at the church across the street as our competitor. We look at them as our brother, our sister Our mother, our father, our spiritual family. And instead of hoping that they go out of business and the people come over to our thing, we get to champion everything. I hope your church gets 10 times bigger than mine. I hope you're successful. I hope that you are successful doing the will of God. I hope the church over there does great. I hope the home church over there does awesome and the mega church over there and the local church there and the parachurch there. I hope they all succeed in their mission because it's all part of the one church that's called to give glory and honor and praise to Jesus. We must endeavor to keep the unity. And the way we keep the unity is we have to understand, friends, if you're watching or you're listening, we have to understand There's one body of Christ. Now, I worked in the corporate world for 10 years of my life. I understand one company, many business units, one company, many sub-organizations. There's similarly one church, the Christian church, Jesus' church, in central Illinois, Many different expressions of local, mega, home, para, different kinds of the one church. Once we grasp this, we begin to see the beauty. This is what Paul helps the Ephesians understand, this is what Paul helps the Corinthians understand. Because here's the thing, our default is division. Our default is tribalism. Our default is, I'm right, you're wrong. Our default is, this is what God's doing here. People over there in that ministry, come over here, God's moving. No, 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 God's moving here and there and there and there. They're saying four different things. And it's one God honoring all of it. It's so important to keep this in mind. All of the letters in the Bible were written not to one local church or one local ministry. The letters were written to the whole church in the entire city. The entire church of Ephesus. The entire church of Philippi, the entire church of Thessalonica, the entire church of Laodicea. Revelation 2 and 3 is seven letters to seven citywide or regional churches. And so, logically, if the Holy Spirit wrote every single letter in the Bible to regional churches, we conclude and deduce that that's how He looks at the church. There are citywide churches. And he says Assembly of God Church, Baptist Church, Presbyterian Church, all of the different churches in central Illinois, Pentecostal, not Pentecostal, Reformed, not Reformed, Calvinist leanings, Arminian leanings, the whole thing. I mean, denominational, non denominational, big, little, the whole thing is one body of Christ. The whole thing is Jesus' church. This is critical. Because we are so used to looking at things in our context, we think all the promises of Scripture apply to our church. The reality is, is God's looking on a bigger plane, not an airplane, a bigger scope. He's looking down and he's saying, I want all of those hundreds or thousands of churches and ministries in the city to all do their part to give me glory and honor. So some churches are going to be better at winning souls and other churches are going to be better at discipling and other churches are going to do prayer and some ministries are going to do counseling and there's just a thousand things and we all obey Jesus and we just do our part and we trust the Lord that in all of us doing our part we win nobody can do everything that's why it's a whole body gang friends it's why it's a whole body the arms have to do what arms do, the legs have to do what legs do, the heart does the heart beats, the lungs breathe, the brain thinks. All these parts and members of the body, we all have to do what God has called us to do. Further down in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says that God raises up leaders He raises up the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers to equip saints or Christians to do ministry. And why does he do that? So that the body of Christ is edified and grows until we do what we come to, the unity of the faith. That's okay, that's okay. Ephesians 4, 1 through 16 is a very interesting passage. Paul starts off by saying, People endeavor to keep unity further down so that you grow into this fully mature, unified body. Fully mature. It's this idea that we are this body. And that when we stay unified and we do our part, we grow into this fully mature man that gives the maximum honor and glory to Jesus. We cannot get there divided. It's like trying to think that we could run a marathon or even more intense, we could win a marathon or an Ironman competition by cutting our legs and arms off. Can you imagine thinking of it in those terms i am i am going to win a marathon by cutting my legs off but that's what so many christians are doing they're trying to be mature in god but dividing off the whole body of christ and so they're not growing let's move down to 1 corinthians 12 Paul, it's like you put them together, these two chunks, they're they're really critical. The body is one. The body of Christ is one, has many members. All the members of the body, being many, are one. So also is Christ. One spirit, we're baptized into one body. Doesn't matter if you are a formerly... Jewish, and now you're a born-again Jew or you are a Gentile and now you're a born-again Gentile because that's how the world was split biblically between Jew and Gentile. Whether you're a slave or not a slave, there's one Spirit. There's so much important doctrine in these two passages my kids are having fun in the back there try to keep it down a little bit boys they have fun when i'm preaching i've got four to five bullet points at the end of my notes again i will post these but again take these passages of scripture to prayer that's your homework assignment tonight from your older brother Derek understand there's one church in our city and your city whatever city you're in tonight you may be hearing this it might be years from now you're hearing the recording the city you're in one big church and you're a part of you're a member or you're a part of that body whether it's a parachurch whether it's a home church whether it's a local church a mega church whatever it is. Can't emphasize enough, we're not competing against each other, friends. Every Christian, every ministry that loves Jesus is a necessary part working with all the other parts to bring glory to the name of Jesus. Just like all the organs in our body work together, our our head, shoulder, knees, and toes, all of it working together, so that we can function properly. I love in the, uh, the passage in First Corinthians 12, Paul says specifically, he highlights those parts of the body that seem to be weak or unneeded. Paul says those are the ones we need the most. So if you're out there tonight and you're feeling like, man... I'm so weak, I seem to be unnecessary, no one even sees me anyway. Guess what Jesus says? He says, you feel weak, you feel hidden, you feel unnecessary, I need you all the more. Because just because there are hidden body parts, They're essential. I mean, I think, you can't see my heart and lungs, but man, you take those out, I'm, I'm a goner real quick. Just because you're hidden and you feel weak and unnecessary doesn't mean that's the truth. In fact, the opposite's true. There are so many critical members of the body of Christ serving in hiddenness, praying in obscurity, Teaching three people in discipleship groups, and you're doing something that is absolutely crucial. Here's the reality. I mean, if you just think of it, I know you, you, I don't know what you can see here, but there are very small tendons throughout our body, ligaments and tendons. But if you take out just a few tendons on my knee, my leg's as good as nothing. I mean, you can keep the leg. You take out a few of those tendons in my knee, I'm not going nowhere. And so just because certain things are hidden doesn't mean they're unnecessary or unneeded. They're critical. Now, keep this in mind. This is another point. Looks like we got a tickle war on the back there. Yeah, you can do a couple minutes. All right, Kistner boys, try to settle her down back there. Now, also speaking of unity, God highlights through Paul's scriptures in Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12, he, he brings up the subject of leadership in both passages. And what I want to say is that God has established leaders Hey Noah, hey Noah and Joshua. Hey Noah and Josh. Go ahead and have a seat, guys. All right, I got to be a dad here, so whoever's watching just I got to be dad. Okay, guys. Hey Noah and Josh, I need you guys to separate now, okay? Separate right now. Separate right now. You guys are done playing together. I'm not playing. Get on the other side of the room right now. Sorry, we got to be dad here. This is how we do it. We run ministries and we got to be dad. All right, this is your final opportunity, Kistner boys. I don't want to have to take away the tablet, but I will. Okay, have a seat, guys. All right, we're going to take away, we're going to finish the tablet right now. And come bring it to dad right away. All right, hey, Noah, I'm going to have you come sit up front. Caleb, I'm going to have you uh, give this to me. Nope, not right now. Okay, Joshua, go to the back right away. And then Noah, sit down. Joshua, go to the back and be in the back table. All right, it's the only way you're going to get tablet tonight. Go to the back. Tough crowd tonight. (laughs) I'm preaching on unity, and so we got to be unified, right? Okay, stay there. We're going to stay here until we're done preaching, all right? All right, back to the message. Okay, no more interrupting. God has established leadership, just kind of like dad is over the family. God has given leaders over his church. And I would say that in my journey of 20 years in ministry, there is a decreasing honor and a decreasing respect for legitimate leadership. Everybody wants to be a leader. Everybody wants to have a voice. Everybody wants to say whatever they want. Here's the thing. God has established real apostles, real prophets, real evangelists, real pastors, and real teachers, and they lead churches and they lead ministries and they have actual responsibilities. So anybody can go on YouTube and put their opinion out there, but what I want you guys to understand tonight is follow and listen to and heed those who have legitimate responsibility, who've been appointed by God. They're your pastors. They're evangelists. They're teachers. They're people who have actual ministries that God has given them to steward. Hold them in high esteem because they've gone all in. The guy on YouTube or the the person that's a Facebook prophet, they are throwing their opinion out there but they haven't been given the responsibility or they, and another way to say it is, they haven't cashed all the chips in and gone all the way in and risked all to say yes to the assignment of God on their life. And so I urge you in the spirit of 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 to 13, Hebrews 13 to 17, heed those... That God has put over you, esteem them highly, Scripture says, because the Lord has put them in your life to help you. Now, I don't want to take too long on point number three here, but I've seen, you know, many people, they they just can't really acknowledge the fact that God would put a pastor over them. And so they just kind of stay independent. They go from here to there, and they're always kind of skipping around, and they never really get truth spoken into their life. They never really receive the counsel that's given them, and so they don't grow. Friends, here's the thing. God has put leaders over you, legitimate leaders, your pastoral leadership, your eldership, ministries in the city that are appointed by God for counseling and various other activities. Those are to be respected. Those are to be received. And I just see too many people, they're, they're critical of their pastor, but the person they have no idea who they are on YouTube shares a, a, a thing, and then that's all of a sudden the word of the Lord. I don't uh, know. Here's the thing. God is interested in your growth, not filling your head with mystical thoughts, He's into your growth. He wants you, friends, to mature. And so he put leaders in your life to give you counsel and to pray for you and to help you respect them and heed them. And all of in doing all of that, you actually promote unity. Something I do is I meet with my own pastor every month. We meet face-to-face, or if we can't meet face-to-face because of like this, this time we're in, we call each other. And I would urge literally every single Christian, you got to have a meeting with your pastor or an elder or a, a pastoral team member. I mean, I get it. There's churches that are huge and the pastor can't meet with everybody. Joshua, please stay back. Thank you. you don't, you're going to knock that over. But it's very important to have a, a real connection with leadership. That's They're there to help you grow. I see too many, they don't really respect leaders and so they just they stagnate and they don't grow. Part of the inner workings of the body of Christ and for it all to function in unity is there has to be an acknowledgement. God does raise up leaders and they are to be respected. Though they're weak men and women, though they're not perfect, though they're just ordinary people, they have a position that when respected and when, uh, you know, when when you he- prayerfully consider their counsel is what I'm saying. It it helps you because it ultimately. Here's the thing. I, I might say something or your pastor might say something that's I don't know wrong, but it's your humble attitude toward whether they're right or wrong that God really ultimately sees and blesses you for. And so when you seek to be a blessing to your church and honor your leadership and hold in high esteem the elders God's put over you, etc., etc., as best as you can, God sees that. He sees that you're trying to be a peacemaker and maintain unity and He blesses your life in doing so. Number four, this is going on to a different topic. We just got four and five to go through. Again, these are all thoughts on endeavoring to keep the unity. Some people think, well, I'm not really into unity. Again, it's like three, four, five on Jesus' list, but they're not into it. And so they, you know, people think, well, unity, you know, what are we just going to throw doctrine out the window so we can all get in one building and agree? And it has nothing to do with that. And I I really regret that people have that opinion of the doctrine of unity or the reality of unity. The reality is we can have conviction. But here's the litmus test. If your convictions or your doctrines or your positions don't manifest in actually caring for real people, then you're a fake. That's the reality. You're 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 just not loving. And so, so many, they are so into doctrine, they're so into, we have to believe X, Y, Z, but they don't love people. There's not a true mark of humility and gentleness on their life. And so they have a trail behind them of all the people they've hurt in the name of doctrine. That's not at all what we do. We have to have convictions But equally important is we have to care. I don't know who first said this, but it's the age old saying people don't care what you know until they know that you care. You could know as much as the Apostle Paul, and it's worth nothing if you don't love people. Paul himself said that. You could know every mystery. You could have faith that moves mountains. You could even die a martyr. But if you don't love people, if you don't truly care, the Bible says you're a nothing. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to amount to nothing. I mean, can you imagine standing before God? And you're like ready, ooh, a man, I can't wait to get rewarded. And he says, You didn't love people, bro. All of that was, it didn't do anything. Because you didn't care. There was no compassion. All through the Gospels, what do we notice is the mark of Jesus' life? It was compassion. He had compassion on people. Everywhere he went, power would go out from him. Tears would come down at his face. And the people would say, oh, he's so loving and compassionate. Oftentimes it would say Jesus moved with compassion would heal people. Does that describe you are you into having conviction but you don't care are you into the letter of the law but you're not loving then you're not going to help promote God's agenda in the earth today you're not going to help promote unity because it's both you have to have healthy conviction but equally important you have to care A.W. Tozer used a phrase he would call this gentle dogmatism because the reality is we're all dogmatic. We're all dogmatic, except some people have the right kind of dogmatism insofar as they have convictions, but they love people. See, today, friends, everybody wants to speak truth, but what does Paul say in Ephesians 4? He says, speak the truth in love. If you just speak the truth, you're going to have a trail of wounded people behind you. But if you speak the truth in love, in a spirit of kindness, guess what happens? You cause people to grow. And so there's so many people out on YouTube and Facebook, oh, this is the truth. I rebuke pastors. This is what God's doing, says the Lord. And there's just absolutely no genuine concern in their heart for anybody other than just spouting off. They have no legitimate authority. They have no uh, appointing of actual leadership. They just let their lips fly in the wind. Friends, have convictions, but care. Go deep into doctrine, but love people. You've got to have both. It's the truth. Strong theological stances without genuine compassion, again, it's worthless. You're just spitting in the wind. You're just getting junk all over your face. It's not helping. And so we all are in this predicament because we have to get knowledge. We have to grow. But the Lord is, it's like He's whispering in our ear, don't get that without this. Here's the thing. It's why Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 13 after he wrote 1 Corinthians 12. He says, ooh, these are the spiritual gifts, words and knowledge, power, healings, all these cool things. And then he says at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, but the greatest thing you can do is get love. And then he describes it for a full chapter. So again, we want to endeavor to keep the unity. We don't throw doctrine to the wind. We hold on to doctrine. But it's a gentle dogmatism. It's We say, yes, we need to know the word, but we care, we love, we have compassion. So friends, tonight, let's pray for unity. Let's understand unity. Let's go deep. Let's understand We're all on the same team. We're all one family. That church across the street, again, whether Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Wesleyan, all the hundreds of kinds in our city, one family. Here's the thing, guys. I'm looking at my boys. One day you guys are going to take over. You're going to be all grown up. You're going to be leading people. We just want people to love Jesus, right? The denomination is so secondary. We want people to love Jesus. Yes, that breaks down. We have to understand doctrine. It's intense. We we gotta study the word. We gotta study theology. We gotta learn this man. Because the reality is when we first believe, we're saved but then we find out for the rest of our life what that really means (laughs) and and what it means to believe. We're going to find out for the rest of our life what it really means to believe. We believe, we're saved. But we find out what that means for a hundred more years or however long we're on the earth. I mean, guys, here's the thing. I've been saved since 1999. That's 21 years now. Went quick. And I've been studying the Bible pretty seriously that whole time. And I, am, I feel like I'm just getting started. I mean, there's so much in this Bible that I'm like so much meat, so good. I want to just keep studying it. So let's pray for this kind of unity. Let's study it. Because here's the thing. What did Jesus pray in John 17? I'll tell you when. Jesus prayed in John 17, make them one so that the world may believe that you, Father, sent me. There's something about oneness. There's something about unity that when we buy into it, when we believe it, when we start moving in it, 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 it touches the world. All right. I think I'll end there. Amen amen see if there's any comments there bud um, see. Is this the same as here, here, hold on everybody Okay, I don't think we have any questions. So what we're going to do is, if you do have questions, comment. I can respond after the message, but I promise I'm going to go ahead and post my notes here. Caleb, don't yeah, don't turn it off yet. I'm going to post these notes onto our website, and then and then uh, again uh, they'll be on our website. And if you have questions, just comment. All right. I want to thank everybody for tuning in we'll have the recording up on monday father we thank you in the name of jesus we do ask that you would help us to keep the unity that the holy spirit is promoting even in a time like this you're bringing your church together by the holy spirit help us to endeavor. To maintain that, I ask for a spirit of revelation to touch central Illinois and and beyond, the Midwest and all of our nation, even into the nations of the world, that we would understand we're one body serving one Lord. There's one Christian faith handed down through the ages. There's one baptism, one Holy Spirit. Oh, we bless your people tonight. We ask that you would encourage and refresh every pastor in the region, every pastor in our nation. Father, we're asking for a spirit of wisdom, fresh revelation to come upon each one of your shepherds, whether they lead a little parish church, a home church, a local church, a mega church. Father, touch your body tonight. And we're praying, Father, You'd help us to grow so that we would be that mature man that you've called us to be, that mature church in the name of Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. I want to thank my boys again for their help tonight. Bless all of you who've tuned in and those hearing the recording. We will see you next week, possibly talking about unity one more time, but we've got a, a new series on angels coming soon. I'm undecided. Pray for me. Love you guys. See you next time. All right, say bye, guys. Guys, come up here real quick. We're going to do a closing prayer with the boys. Come here. Oh, you turned it off? Oh, bro. All right, so come on, come on, come on up. All right. So so here's the thing, guys. Come on up, Josh. Come on up.